Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Mike, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. How are you, sir? Wonderful. How about you? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, I have a hardy plank, and the bottom run uh, has been chewed up by weed eaters, mowers, etc., uh, running up against it. it it's, a, it's strictly a, an appearance thing, but is there, is there, do I have to replace that whole run, or can I just put something over the, the damaged part on that uh, hardy plank? On which type of hardy is it? Is it a 4 by 8 sheet or the, the uh, lap no, no, siding? It, or? It's siding, yes, sir. Uh-huh, siding. Okay. If it's the lap, you can just pull the bottom board off and replace it if you want. Otherwise, mm-hmm. your other option, if it's just down on the very bottom, you yeah, can run a piece exactly. of trim over the top of it. Okay. Uh, just to, to cover it up. Yeah. Now, do I have to use a... I've heard that you have to use a an air hammer to, to install that. Is that correct? Or can I no. use a... No, you can use... Okay. Just, just nails, or Hardy has screws out to screw it in as well. Okay, okay, all right. And just screw it or nail it into the underlying yep. um, uh, run there? Well, you're going to want to try to hit some of the two-bys behind it. Okay, okay. Uh, in order to secure it well, because the, the Hardy itself is not going to give you any real structural strength as holding uh, if you just right. nail into it, but... You've got two by four studs behind. You've got the sill plate yes, that you sir. can nail into. Hit one of those, and you'll be fine. Okay, and and just use a hardy plank trim, or yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a million. All right. Take care. Thank you. Right now, for anybody listening, if you want to remove that bottom row, you simply pick up a little bit on the second row because it's top that's normally nailed. And then you can pull the bottom row out, take it off, slide the new board up in there, and you can nail it across the bottom as well. You know, granted, it's normally nailed on the top, but when it's that bottom row, you can put a nail down through the sill plate and touch it up and paint, and you're done. Hey, Jim, I had one of your guys come out yesterday for HVAC check for the fall season. Dewis has a full air conditioning division as well. Okay, told him I wanted to replace all the ductwork in the attic. He recommended the flex duct. There are both pros and cons about flex duct, just about everything else. Are there different qualities of the flex duct, like good, better, and best? I just want to have a good quality duct system. Thanks. I signed up for your service plan. Enjoyed both Aaron and Jay coming by in the last month or so, Jeff. Well, yes, there is actually a difference in the flex ducts. Uh, The big difference is actually in the insulation amount that they have. You can get still an R6, which does not meet most codes in most municipalities. The standard right now is an R8. And what you're looking for on the flex is the R8 or better, with the aluminum on the outside, much like a radiant barrier on the outside of it. Older Flex had 
gray plastic on it, that's what's falling apart. You don't want to mess with that. Uh, but yes, if you're going with the Flex Duck R8 uh, with the silver lining on the outside of it, it would be what you'd be looking for. Kent, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, hey, Jim. I got a question. I like the show, by the way. Enjoy it quite a bit. At, uh, but either way, I'm looking into changing, possibly changing my water heater. Uh, Mike called about the tank list. I'm, I'm looking more into, like, uh, I guess the, the one with the heat pump, the hybrid electric. I wanted to yeah. get your opinion on those. Okay. Well, first of all, I have tankless in my house. Love mm -hmm. it. Uh, definitely the way to go. You got continuous hot water, and I, and I, let me tell you how how continuous it is. I I put in a I changed out my hot tub. Now. Uh, it's a 480-gallon hot tub. I hooked the faucet up to the sink in my garage and filled it with hot water from the tankless water heater. The, the guys who did the install couldn't believe I had that much hot water available to fill an entire hot tub. Worked great. Uh, it does definitely reduce your energy bills, but it depends on your usage. You know, a lot of times people think they're going to get instant hot water uh, and it's going to drop their utility bills a tremendous amount. Well, you know, if if there's nobody home during the day and you're not using hot water all night long, absolutely it's going to save money. For the normal person, it's going to save a lot of money. Uh, but the downsides of putting them in, you got to have more electricity going to it than you would with a tank. So if you've got currently a tank there, you've got a 220 breaker. When you change out to a tankless, you're looking at going with probably three 220 breakers, which means you typically have to run more power lines or, or uh, electric wires over to the water heater, and that adds to the installation cost, and that's normally what throws people out of getting it. Yeah, that would, be, that would mean another breaker box for me, too, because mine's fully loaded and yeah there's and, no room in there for it and honestly in that type of situation unless you're putting the breaker box in for something else it's not going to be cost effective for you yeah okay and what about the hybrid electric so it's uh, no ream and there's another company that uh, that has what that utilizes a heat pump system yeah and they work great um you know the the virtually any of the tankless work really good if you and this is just for people listening, if you're going to deal with a gas tankless water heater, go with one that is a hybrid that uses PVC for venting. Your normal ones are going to use double wall stainless steel, which is very expensive. Your higher efficiency ones are going to use PVC for venting, which means one, it's a lot more efficient, so it's not throwing as much heat, and therefore it can vent that way and that's the ones I prefer. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to go with it, go with the high efficiency and the hybrids. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, sir. You bet. Take care. Yeah. And if you're building a house, by all means, tankless is the way to be going. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. This comes from Joy in Malakoff. The city where I live 
installed an irrigation meter for me over a year and a half ago. This was to separate my house water used for my landscape water. I recently had a sprinkler leak. And in the process, the city came back and said, it is a state requirement to have a double check valve on the irrigation meter. I have no idea what that is or what type of person installs that. Can you point me in the right direction? Um, and then it gives where they live. But here's the deal. When you have an irrigation system, yes, you either got to have a double check valve or, um, you know, something that keeps the water from being able to back up into the water supply. And any irrigator or plumber can install those type of systems. If you had an irrigation system installed by somebody and they didn't put that in, they obviously didn't have a license because they can lose their license for installing a system without having the proper double check valves or backflow preventers. Uh, so yes, get an irrigation person out there and let them take care of it. And look, if you're having an irrigation, and, and this is truly the reason I wanted to address this one today, if you're having an irrigation system installed, it needs to be done either by, and what I'm talking about is the final hookup stuff, either by a licensed irrigator or a plumber. Either one can hook the system up. Make sure permits are pulled and the system is checked. And by law, that double check valve or a backflow preventer is actually supposed to be rechecked every year by somebody who's licensed to do it. And you really want to get that done because, again, the whole purpose of this is to keep from contaminating the whole water supply system. What happens is if you get an area that, say, floods a little bit, and I know not a huge issue for most of us, but here, this is the reason for that law. You get an area that floods a little bit. The water supply system goes down. It can back up and suck water backwards in the pipes. Now it can be sucking contaminated sewage water or whatever's floating around into the pipes. And not only can it get you sick, but everybody else who's on that water supply system. So just don't take chances. Make sure that the backflow preventers, double check valves, all that kind of stuff is installed. And like I said, any licensed irrigator or plumber should be capable of doing this with no problem. One of the things I wanted to make sure we talk about today is the fireplace. You know, this is our first cold day weather, and I know a lot of people are firing up the fireplace. We got the heaters going, all kinds of stuff. And you might have got a, a little bit of an odor from the heater when you fired it on. Hey, that happens a lot of times the first time you turn the heater on for the season. But the thing with the fireplace that you got to be careful of, you periodically do have to have a chimney cleaned out, uh, especially depending on what you burn for wood and how much you use it. Creosol or tar or whatever you want to call it from burning wood will build up on the walls of the chimney. They can catch fire and cause you all kinds of heartache. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody here. I'm just simply stating you're fireplace chimney does need to be checked out periodically to make sure it's being maintained 
and kept safe. And typical rule of thumb, really for every two cords of wood that you burn through that fireplace, it needs cleaning. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And that's if you're using oak. If you start burning other woods like pine and stuff, oh my gosh, you got to clean it much, much faster. That just puts all kinds of gunk onto the sidewalls of the chimney that can catch fire. So if you're looking for somebody who can take care of that, you're looking for a chimney sweep, and you want one who's part of the guild. What that means is they're part of a, fire, a chimney sweep association. That's the guild. And these guys go through training. They get certifications, all kinds of stuff so that you know that they understand what they're doing and how to do it. Not that some guy just went and got a brush and says, oh, I can clean out that chimney for you and doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Because there is no licensing in Texas other than air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical. Everything else is buyer beware. So let's beware and make sure we check people out. I suppose I'm looking for a plumber contractor. I have a water leak somewhere but I don't see any evidence of it except to watch the water meter flow when all is off. This comes from Adam in Crowley. Well, Adam, you need to do more than just have the water off to everything. Uh, the meter is a great way to tell if you have a water leak, but a toilet that has just a little flow-by can show as a leak. Your air, can, your uh, refrigerator, if it clicks on just to make ice will show as a leak. So typically, if you want to check to see if you've got a leak on things, not only do you make sure no faucets are running, but go underneath and shut all the valves off under the sinks, under the toilets, behind the refrigerator. And usually the refrigerator, there's a shutoff under the sink in the kitchen to shut the water supply off to the refrigerator. But shut all of those off then look at your meter and see if the little dial is spinning. If it is, I want you to go back and shut one more thing off. That's the supply line at the house where the supply line comes in. Now, not everybody's going to have a cutoff there, but if you do shut that off, and if the meter stops spinning, that tells you that the leak is somewhere in the house. If the meter continues to spin at the same speed, that tells you the leak is in the yard line and it kind of starts narrowing down where you need to look for it. Uh, I, I have a lady that works for me in my Houston office and she called me the other night they, that some of the tiles in her mom's kitchen started changing colors. They were getting a little bit darker. They were white tiles and I said, you got a water leak somewhere. They thought it was the refrigerator then when we talked later, there was some moisture coming up between some of the tiles. So I started making the assumption it was probably under the slab. Well, it turns out there was a pipe that went overhead. It had a pinhole, was hitting the sheetrock, running down the backside, interior wall, no insulation in it. So it ran all the way down to the slab and then would run under the tiles. Yeah, leaks can be tricky to find. Fortunately, they were we were able to find that one, and she's able to get it taken care of. Here's the issue that you got to worry about when you get leaks like this, though. Left go, 
not only does it ruin the sheetrock and wood and things like that, it'll start causing mold and mildew and, and things that can make the house not livable. So you definitely want to address leaks when you have them. Talbin in Louisville, how are you today? Very well, and yourself? Very good. So uh, my problem is I, um, about five years ago, built a hot tub sunk into a deck uh-huh. built with uh, pressure-treated uh, timber and tracks uh, uh, wood floors on top. And um, the other day I discovered that uh, the area where, you know, a hot tub falls over and stands up to the side and leaning up against the fence, yeah. that area has rotted out. And I'm wondering if it's because the... Um, uh, chlorine in the water is increasing the the chemical process and, and the rotting of the pressure-treated timber, or is it just because it wasn't covered underneath or something? I don't know. I'm a little lost here what I should do. More than likely, you had it right the first time. It's to do with the chlorine and the chemicals. Uh, okay. Anytime you have, any, whether it's wood or steel around a swimming pool uh, or hot tub, it tends to eat away at them. Uh, that's the reason a lot of the hot tubs have gone to using plastic, uh, you know, around them inst- instead of using wood and such. Right, yeah. But here I have um, a deck built around it, and yeah. the, the surface is the tracks wood, and it's holding up very nicely. Uh, however, the under 2x6s are not holding up so well, so now I'm having to replace them. And you them. did use treated lumber, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Hmm. But I, I have learned now that there are two types of uh, treated lumber, one yes, for above ground and one for underground. And, um, well, ground contact, thinking, yeah. Yeah, ground, ground contact, yeah. So I'm thinking I should probably use that in yes. the replacement process, right? Yeah, use the ground contact. It, it holds up much better. Typically anything I do, I use the ground contact because the, the, the ones that are uh, for above ground, they do okay, but uh, – they do have a shorter lifespan. Okay. So uh, would you cover it with anything or treat it with anything before you put the tracks on top? You shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to, yeah. No. Well, the first uh, first time around, it only lasted about five years. So um, hopefully See, the, I, the second go around. I would expect well. regular lumber that's not treated to, to last about five years. No, this was pressure treated. Yeah. It was the above ground. Yep pressure-treated uh, lumber, and uh, that apparently is not nearly as strong as the other yeah. ones. Yeah, definitely get get the uh, ground contact rated. And are, are there different um, qualities of that, or whether you buy it from Lowe's, uh, Home Depot, or 84 Lumber, is it all the same? Go to 84 Lumber. You're, you're going to find that the, the lumber is a, a little bit straighter, a little bit better. Okay, well, I appreciate the information, and thanks for your help. You bet. Hey, got to ask you a quick question. What's yeah. the accent? Well, um, Denmark. Ah, okay. But um, I have actually been in Texas for over 33 years, so uh-huh. uh, I consider myself a Texan, but I don't think I'm going to lose the accent. You don't think it's going to go away? No, I don't think so. Not <laughs> after all of these years. <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on it, but um, uh, still got ways to go, I think. My mom's been here from Germany for the last, uh, well, she came here in 58. Hers didn't yeah. go away either. So, <laughs> Well, my, my wife, wife's grandmother came to the States in, uh, well, she was about 
16 or 18, I think. And when she passed away at 90, she still had the German accent. So yep. once you're born with it, I don't think you can lose it. But if you came here, say, under the age of 8 or 10, I think you would have a really good chance of, of yeah. losing it. Yeah. So, well, thanks right. for your show. I really you enjoyed it. Let's take care. As I can. Bye-bye. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I have a question. So um, I've been in my house now roughly about five years. And so when I first moved in here, uh, one rainy season, walked out to the garage and had probably about a quarter inch or half inch uh, coverage of water on the floor of the uh, garage and uh, didn't like that, of course. And so um, just kind of wondering at this point, because um, it hadn't had a real issue since then, it's, it only happens when the rain seems to have happened, like extended periods of days, not sure. one, one or two. But once it's gone into like the third or fourth day of continuous raining, I started getting some seepage right around the, um, the, the steps. And so my garage steps down from the house level into the garage. So I have like three steps that are concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that take you to the garage. And then you can actually see right around the base of the steps where you're starting to get the water to, to come in. So I was wondering if there's a way just to get those steps sealed uh, where, the, where it's coming in, or am I going to have to do some deeper work? Yeah, you know, given the amount that you said came in, it would probably require deeper work. I mean, typically something like that's going to require a drain system because uh, it's it's actually water getting underneath the structure and, and coming in that way. So uh, in some cases, it could be as simple as just regrading to keep the water away from the structure. And in other cases, it could require a French drain that one would be tough to to answer without looking at but i guess the first question i would have do you have standing water around the the, the house when it rains heavy uh i i haven't noticed any so one side of my house is the pool right on one on one side the other side so on the pool side definitely not yeah. uh in this it's pretty well sloped well uh there on that side on the other side I would say it does maybe slightly slope toward the house, but down. So, um, um, yeah, but I don't see I don't see standing water like you're saying, no. Yeah, but if we're getting prolonged periods, then the water, if it's running towards a house, can be soaking and saturating the soils, and allowing it to penetrate that way. They. Right. They do make sealers that you can put onto the concrete and things like that. The problem is if you get too much water trying to come through, it'll blister off. Right. Uh, so that's the reason I'm thinking it needs to be addressed with drainage work somehow. Okay. Uh, it, okay. it is. Is it all slab or is it? Uh, uh, it's all slab. Base? Okay. It's all slab. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure we're going to be dealing with some drainage issues. Uh, okay. You know, we can take a look at it if you'd like. You can call the Due West office at 972-406-0912. Uh, but otherwise, like I say, you can put something on there, see if it works, uh, like dry lock 
is one of the products that are available that you can put on. Okay. Uh, you know, the worst thing that happens is it didn't seal it. Right. Right. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I'll put that on. And, uh, if I see, if I see anything, I'll give you guys a shout. Okay. Take care. I James. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. This comes from Tanya and it says my home was built in 1953 and has galvanized water source pipes in the walls to the faucets and cast iron sewer line under the cement foundation. I have no leaks, but I'm looking for a strategy for when I and if I ever do. I have already had a couple of sewer line stoppages and just had my water service line from the house to the city replaced, which was also galvanized. Can the water line be rerouted or can the pipe be cleaned out and relined with the material? And for the sewer line, gosh, the cement is in great shape. And I hate to see it jackhammered. And the dirt is the black clay blackish. And I'm concerned about tunneling. What could be my options to prepare for? Thank you. Okay. Let's start with the water lines first. If your water lines go bad and you're thinking about redoing the galvanized pipes, and yes, they the galvanized pipes do go bad. They rust through. Uh, your choices are to replumb the house. You can go back with PVC, which requires a lot of destruction because you're basically opening up walls. Or you can go back with PEX. And PEX is a flexible line, so they're able to snake it down through a lot of places. You may have some areas of sheetrock that you got to take out, like shower faucet, for instance. But behind the shower, you got to be able to hook the new lines up. Uh, the other choice is to take a look at Ace Duraflow. It's the E-pipe system. Same thing, though, on a shower, they got to take the faucet apart because all fixtures have to be opened where they can sandblast through the pipes to clean them out. So it depends on your house layout and access to everything on which system is going to be more suited. They both run almost the same. So there's your two choices, PEX or the E-pipe system. When it comes to your sewer lines, you know, it sounds like you have the, the old uh, cast iron pipes Yes, they will eventually have to be replaced as well. Your choices are tunneling or rerouting. Uh, and not all of it can be rerouted. If they're on outside walls, you can do what's called a through wall where you bring sinks and stuff through the wall, drop it down into the ground, and reroute it around the outside of the house. However, if it's in the middle of the house, you're pretty much stuck with tunneling. You do not want to jackhammer trenches across a house. You'll sever the, the foundation, uh, and it's not repairable at that point. You, you can literally destroy a home that way. So typically what you're looking at is either tunneling or what's called a reroute. And a mixture of the two is more than likely what you'll end up with. Without seeing the layout, I can't really you know give you a... A, a total as far as what it would take to do it, but that's pretty much the choices. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.